a Steelers standard on Steelers Nation Radio and podcast on Steelers.com. Uh, what was that? Smells like football, buddy. What you know why? Guess what gets kicked off today? No pun intended kickoff, but pun very much intended kick. Is it the NFL Combine? You know what that means, Woo! too, Tom? We're in March, which means we're officially six calendar months away from football. This is the official month of the year, too, where the new league calendar starts mid-March. So things are getting really excited around these parts when it comes to the NFL season. That's the beauty of the NFL. It really never sleeps. No, we, get you a couple, have... we get like a month off in February, which the Super Bowl is in February, so that's not even a but month off. But the best off. part for football fans, too, is... February is that shortest month of the year, so it just kind of flies by. You get a couple weeks after the Super Bowl, nothing really happens. But that's not even true because there's all these rumors about right. quarterbacks and moving now, and free agents and and, and uh, franchise tags. And now with the 18th week, it's no longer, okay, the season will end on February 1st or 2nd. No, now it's, it's the middle of like, February. Now it's like February 10th, I think the Super Bowl was this past year. So you really only have like two and a half weeks of nothing. And then the Before combine, recharge, off. and then you have the combine. And here we are, Tuesday, March first. NFL combine gets started. Got a lot of our compatriots out in Indianapolis right now. Wesley Euler's out there. I think Arthur Motes will call in. You'll hear the Jerry Blitz there. Dulac, Dulac's Dale out there. Now Williamson, they're Max Starks, they're all there. They're all having a great time. They yeah. say we got to keep our most precious cargo here safe in Pittsburgh. So that's why Tom and I are not out in Indy. The Expendables are there. But really is, I said I didn't want to go, and Wes has seniority over you, so he got to go. That's yes. that's really what happened. I've been there. trying to go. Haven't had that chance. I went once. One. It's definitely quite the experience. I think once was enough for me. I've been asked a couple of times since. I wasn't asked this because I'm too important. They need me here. But I've been asked since, and I've said no. It is a, it's a lot of work, no question about it, and it's a lot of pressure. Especially getting that first connection to get there because oh, yeah. you're six hours away from home. If you don't get a connection, you're screwed. But once you get settled in, it's a lot of fun. I know the Steelers take you out to a really nice dinner the first night you're there. and Plus, I beautiful, mean, beautiful, beautiful stuff there. And it's just fun to hang around the guys like Williamson and Lolly and, and Dulac and kind of get see them in their get a taste of them yeah. outside of doing these shows. Maybe have a couple pops with them, have a couple appetizers, have a nice little night of it. So Combine's a lot of fun. Uh, of course, the funniest thing about it is we go there, we do all this coverage. You can't, like, watch the workouts. Like, you can't right. go in person and see them. You can watch them on TV like everybody else. But you're not allowed in the building while they're happening. The only one while I was there, Jacob, that I could see was the bench press because they had that right where, like, the radio row was where sure. everybody was doing their shows. It's a cool that, one to That see. was fun to do. And just a quick little story. While I was at my combine, this was a few years back, Whatever year this was, I don't remember what was wonky about it, but two teams do a coin flip to see where they would pick in the draft. And it was the race now. So I got to see Gruden and whoever oh, the other you coach got to was see do the, the coin flip, flip to see That's how the cool. outcome happened. So, yeah, a, a lot of fun. But like I said, the only thing you really get to see in person is guys lift weights a bunch of times in a bench press, which those guys are impressive. I saw Saquon Barkley almost lift the entire gym over his head with his, his massive All thighs. of Lucas Oil Stadium was just on his shoulders. No, just, not just Lucas Oil Stadium, the convention center around Indianapolis. But yeah, it's a lot of fun, but it's also very important when it comes to evaluating players that you might want to draft, uh, validating your draft board by seeing a guy that you've liked all along and having them do a good workout so you can say, yep, I feel pretty comfortable about my original assessment about him. 
Or potentially, you know, your eye grabs a guy that had an amazing workout that wasn't really on your radar that all of a sudden is like, oh, boy, I might start taking a look at him. So combine is massively important. And for the Steelers, I mean, it's obvious you got to look at both defense and offensive line. you got to look at the quarterbacks because, I mean, you have to. And you got to look at, I think, some secondary help and maybe somewhere someone on the inside linebacking spot. But my main attention uh, during these workouts is definitely paid in the trenches. I mean... How much more can you really find out about the quarterbacks? You're going to go to the pro days. You've seen all the tape you could possibly see about them. You, I, you, I think you were at the senior Dale always was at, at the, the senior, senior bowl. bowl. I, I think you know pretty much what the quarterbacks are. These are just these validations of their workouts where you just go and check boxes. I, I think they're really going to be zoning in on offensive linemen and defensive linemen here in the combine. That's absolutely their biggest hole, other than the quarterback spot, is on both sides of the ball trenches. And I think you, you'll see the Steelers take a real close eye or a close look on all of these prospects throughout this combine process. I wonder what is the most valuable of the drills for offensive linemen. You know, is it's obviously not the 40-yard dash, which is the sexiest thing, but maybe that, you know, shuttle drill where you go back uh, and forth three and, you move, cone la- drill, and you move laterally. Yeah. yeah, that probably would be the one for me that I would look at and say, I like what I see from this lineman. He moves laterally. He's quick. Obviously, the bench press is a big one. You want to have that explosiveness. But uh, those are the two position groups I think are going to be watched like a hawk from Steelers, Steelers, from Steelers brass sure. during this combine session. Sure, every team has their need, but it's pretty obvious where the Steelers point in the direction in terms of what yes. they need the most. Absolutely. And as you said, it's in the trenches and for different reasons, right? The offensive line is kind of in the state of unknown. Who's really going to be a guy that can be relied on moving ahead and for the defensive line uh there is a little bit of unknown but only because of you don't know if the guys you have are going to be ready but the guys you know the guys you do have if they all are ready are fantastic world class cam hayward all pro first team this year stefan to it we said had he played this year we thought he could have been at that level and then tyson alawalo the perfect third piece that three-man line however Tyson Alawali was out all year long. Stefan Tewitt out all year long for multiple reasons. Mm-hmm. So you need someone else to compliment Cam Hayward so he's not just out there doing a one-man show, essentially, with a bunch of moving parts around him. So both lines need help, but for extremely different reasons. I look at defensive-offensive line. Where do you go first? Because one of them has to be first. And the offensive line... I just feel like doesn't have anything really strong about it right now. You know what I mean? Like, there's guys with potential. Dotson had a lot of potential after this year. I think Kendrick has potential. That right side's kind of forgotten about. Mm-hmm. Chooks, I guess, has some potential. But it's mm-hmm. about time he realized that. And Trey Turner is just an old vet. Um, I look at the defensive line. Guys like Cam Hayward, first team all pro, borderline Hall of Famer, going to be in the Steelers Hall of Honor. He puts together four more years like he has the past four years. He's going to Canton one day. I don't think there's a question about that. It's just a matter of making it more. The, long, thing, the, the problem longevity is, needs right, to be more. The problem is, is that we, the thing we've, we've said about Cam his entire career is underrated, under the radar, not getting the national attention that he so rightfully deserves. But we know he got that this year, and I think it's kind of a – a point in the right direction for Cam's Canton chances because the last like four years he's been either AP first pro or second. Yes, exactly. So if you continue to do that, you're going to the for Hall another of Fame. four years. If you're if you're 
on a first team or second team all pro for nearly 10 consecutive years, that cannot be ignored. That guy. Yeah. And Tyson Alu-Alu, I'm going to back because, A, they can't really afford to not bring him back. I think you can bring him back more affordably because of him coming off the injury. And remember last year, he left for Jacksonville for a brief brief respite and mm-hmm. then decided to come back. So he wants to be in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. So that works as far as the negotiations are concerned in the Steelers' favor is that this guy wants to be here in Pittsburgh. So I'm guaranteeing you're going to have those two back, Hayward and Alu-Alu. Now, do it. I want him back desperately. I cannot commit to that at the moment, though, because it's just very unknown whether or not he's going to be able to get over his knee, um, whether he will be able to move on from the grieving of his uh, unfortunate passing of not obviously put a timetable on. So a lot of plates are still spinning as far as two it is concerned for me to say, yeah, he's going to be back with Aluelu and Hayward. So. That's the only real question mark I have on the D-line. Now, it's a big question mark, and if he's not there, it's going to be a hole that needs to be filled. But with Alu-Alu and Hayward in place there, I think you go offensive lineman in the first round because that's where you really need to get an impact player. I agree, And then go D-line in the second round. I agree because of simply the way you You put it. You smelling some football? Did you get a whiff? Is that what that was? Yeah. You know what? We were talking about how great it is to be in March, but you know what March also means? Allergy season. <laughs> it's killer. That weather's breaking. It's killer. It's about a it's a it's about a medium forty five degrees out. So all those it. trees are coming back. All the pollen's it. coming back, which means Jacob's nose is gonna be a little bit stuffed up with football. With football and <laughs> pollen. But uh, no, I think you're absolutely right. Just because the pieces you have on the offensive line are so much less than the pieces you have on the defensive line. And let's let's be frank about it, Tom. Five versus three, right? There's only three pieces you need to fill on the defensive line. Two, if you're if you're not going to be rushing all three guys, and we've seen that happen with Steelers, where they only put up two off or two defensive linemen at times. But you're always going to be put, you're always going to be putting out at least five O linemen every single play. So absolutely, there are more holes to be filled on the offensive line in terms of actual talent and in terms of pieces that need to be out there every given play. A guys, uh, we're gonna we'll do names in a later episode. But one name that I keep seeing getting thrown out there in mock drafts, uh, Zion Johnson, the offensive lineman out of Boston College, the tackle, just an absolute mauler. Or I think he's a guard actually, but just an absolute mauler of a player. Uh, what I've seen written up about him from some experts that I really like is that they use the term he can be a culture changer for the Steelers' offensive line. He can be a culture changer, and that's. Kind of what we heard about Kendrick Green, right, before he came into the league, sure. is that this guy's a mauler. You know, the Steelers' offensive line was a little bit soft uh, in years before. They need to get that edge to them again, that off-the-ball-run kind of offensive line where they punch you in the mouth. And, and Green was that at Illinois, so they thought this guy can really bring a, a bit of a, a, a reawakening, that kind of effort attitude and that, that hard-nosedness to play against in this offensive line now. I'm sure that it got better from years past, but it didn't come to fruition that much. But you hear the same thing about this Zion Johnson guy from Boston College. Uh, put Zion and Kendrick Green together. You start adding guys to your arsenal that have that kind of chip on their shoulder. The culture, the culture will change on its own. There's no need for a guy to single-handedly change it. Mm-hmm. If you just draft a lot of character guys that play with that kind of motor, it'll eventually just kind of ingratiate its DNA amongst your entire offensive line room. So I I like hearing 
of getting guys that are big. And Johnson's just an example. He might not be there. They might not like him. But a guy that's big, he's 6'3", he's 3'16", a guy that's got that nasty edge to him, and a guy that can really change that kind of culture when it comes to the offensive line. Those are the targets I'm looking at. I think that's exactly what you need, given the state of the offensive line currently, because there really is no identity to it other than being completely pedestrian or complete pushover. Right. So right. you need you need a you need a cultural change. You need an identity shift, and if that's what Zion can do in tandem with Kendrick, maybe it makes Kendrick Green's job a little bit easier. You know, a lot of people kind of were in his press conferences throughout the offseason. Kendrick Green had to sit between Trey Turner over the hill. I think fair to say, and injured. So it's not like he's over the hill skill wise completely. Just injured hurt him a lot, and another second year player in Kevin Dotson. Like, those aren't the anchors you want to strap onto your rookie center. And when when he was rushing in his press or preseason or offseason press conferences, he was asked about his toughness because that was the description he had attached to him coming out of the combine, coming out of the draft, was this edginess to him, right? And it's hard to kind of the tone as the rookie. Now, we know Marquise Pouncey was able to do it. But he had, as you said, a better anchor to his side with yes. David DeCastro. Yes. Later, you know, I know he wasn't DeCastro wasn't there in Pounce's rookie season, but I think it was the next season or two seasons later he was there, yeah. and so pretty easy to make your way with that guy sitting right next to you. And I like how they came up together. Mm-hmm. Like they were not the same year, like you said, but basically the same year. So they had that simpatico kind of right. If you get so Green, if you can Zion, and Dotson and together, thank you, and yep. they just continue to, they're each a year apart, but no more than three years apart from each other, that interior is going to be electric, as long as they realize their potential, of course. But not only will you have three talented dudes in there, by year five with all of them together, uh-huh. they're going to know what everybody, the, the other one's thinking. They're going to know what, uh, Kendrick Green's going to be able to breakfast for Zion Johnson and know exactly what he wants before game is. They're going to be, in each other's head on and off the field. We've sat in with Wolf for countless episodes sure. of in the locker room over this. And at the beginning of the year, he said one of the big things is you got to have that chemistry. Well, the best way to get chemistry is just play together for a long time. So hopefully you start to see a core come together after this offseason of drafting and free agency that you can now build that offensive line up for years and years to come with the same kind of pieces in place. And I think that's the route to go to really get the most consistent, dominant offensive line play. Absolutely. I, I And as we knew, or as we've learned now, uh, Trey Turner, as you kind of mentioned, over the hill, it's pretty obvious that Kevin Colbert and, and his team want to go out there and add another veteran presence. So said that that was his biggest regret this right, past Right, not adding season. a another second vet. piece Hank, to, yeah. Another one needed to be added. Right. So, he's so right, by the way, because... If they just had another swing guy that they could plug in, I, I'm not saying the year would have been different and we would be sitting here thinking that the O-line was all sunshine and roses, but it would have been better. It would have been more serviceable. Absolutely. And when now that he recognizes that needs to happen, if, if it is a, a rookie, no matter if it's Zion or someone else, you have three young guys who are going to be coming up together, as you mentioned, Dodson, Green, whoever the rookie is this year, and then you actually add another veteran well, there you go. There's four guys that could potentially harmonize 
very well or very easily. And I know we kind of did this last year where we said, oh, we're, 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 we're giving the benefit of the doubt to a rookie in Kendrick Green as the center. And Kevin Dawson is going to come back in a big way and, and really take the league by storm. And Trey Turner is going to have a career resurgence, second chapter of his career in Pittsburgh. And, and Truce is going to be solid and Banner is going to be healthy. So we, we do spend a lot of time talking about the offensive line in a pause light, but it's a lot. You don't want to sit here and just be so negative and say, well, Kendrick Reed didn't work out last year. He's probably not going to work out this year. Kevin Dawson couldn't stay healthy his second year. He's probably not going to stay healthy in his third year. We didn't get the right piece as, as, as the veteran guy for the offensive line. Uh, last year, it's going to be a wrong piece again this year. That's not what we're going to do and sit here, right? We're going to no. sit here and say, if this, if A, B, and C can work out, then the end product should be okay. Let me throw a little hypothetical sure. by you. So let's say this is the offensive line next year. Uh, left tackle is still Dan Moore Jr. Left guard is Kendrick Green. Or not Kendrick Green, I'm sorry, Dotson. Center is right. Kendrick Green. They go back with Kendrick Green at center. Okay. Right tackle is Chooks. So four out of the five are the same. But and that then... guard on the right side is Zion Johnson from Boston College, mm-hmm. who right now Pro Football Network has a 37th ranked overall prospect, the second ranked guard prospect in the draft. So I reach a bit, but, but I reach terms for of offensive line. In terms of yeah. what you need, you're not going to be. Don't just, reach for a quarterback, no. but reach for an offensive lineman if you feel really confident that your grade is higher than what a lot of other scouts' grade are. And to say that Provo Network has him at 37 overall, that's one ranking. I've seen him in mock drafts go in the first round. So it's not like he's locked into a second round pick, Zion Johnson. He's. He's going to sneak into the first round in some people's mocks and potentially in the real draft. I think we're far more confident in... But if that hypothetical offensive line comes around, does that give you hope, or do you still think mm, a lot more of the same just with an extra new piece? It's you're, still, you're banking on a lot of potential well, from guys you've thing. already I seen. I think the difference is Kevin Dodd's health. On because that, left that side, was yeah. something that was not a given or a guarantee for the majority of the season. And that easily, you know, have had more of an impact than we thought initially throughout the course of the 2021 year, right? So if you get him back, that is, I think, more than just the piece, the new new rookie guard uh, as you laid out. I think it's more than one. And... And when you bring in a veteran, I think if you bring in that guy, that's another additional piece that he didn't have technically last year. So yeah, I you could have guys behind that, that right, starting exactly. five. Right, yeah. exactly. And it's always good to have competition. So even though Dan Moore Jr. really came on later in the year and it's probably going to be your starting left tackle, have a veteran behind him at camp that's pushing him a little bit to making sure that you know he stays on it and make sure that he really realizes his potential. But because... I never saw like a sense of laziness. No, 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 no. There's not just... Yeah. I think Tomlin loves to create kind of competition, and sure. I think even though I don't think Dan Moore Jr. would ever be lazy, you can almost guarantee it by being that veteran and just saying, hey, if you slip up a bit, this guy's been in the league for seven years now. He can he can jump in and pretty much play at a moment's notice. So just make sure you have that in the back of your head through the season. But I, I think Dan Moore has probably passed Kevin Dotson as far as the guy I'm most excited for potential-wise because of Dotson's injury last year and the reports of his, I don't want to say out of shape because he wasn't out of shape, but lack of focus in the offseason heading into this season. And you even heard Tomlin kind of say, right. or not say, but just hint at, you know, guys need to be working a little bit harder in the offseason. Yeah. So 
Watson still has all the potential in the world. Really good rookie season. I think Dan Moore has kind of passed him in my mind as a guy that I look at as can be a not an all-pro, but a, a solid starter, fringe Pro Bowl kind of guy on that left side at tackle. I mean, I mean, yeah. to beat Miles Garrett's ass for right. a Monday Night Football game, that's going to instill confidence and, in me. And for the majority of the, what was it, Week 7 matchup in Cleveland? Yeah, I mean, he really— Shut him down. For I mean, Miles Garrett in two games had one sack against no help Dan Moore either. Jr. No help. I mean, in that first game, obviously, Dan Moore got beat on the play that the Steelers ended up winning the game on, but Najee but saved still, his it only resulted in one sack. Right, and Najee saved his butt. And that's one what teammates are there games. for. When you get beat, you need someone to bail you out. That's what number 22 did for Dan Moore. But that last Monday night game, I mean, he was dominating Miles Garrett. I mean, we 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 remember after that, the Steelers, T.J. Watt, was also going up against a rookie offensive lineman for the Browns. What was the result of that game, Tom? With both Miles Garrett and T.J. Watt going up against rookie offensive linemen, T.J. Watt finished with four sacks. T.J. Watt literally... When it seemed one, dead, when I it think, seemed dead and gone, got right back into the sack record chase and won defensive player right. of the year. I mean, he was always in the defensive player of the year, but the sack record race seemed dead in the water. Yes, until four sacks. completely revitalized that that race for it and and turned the whole season around for him. Uh, Miles Garrett ended with zero sacks after that game and finished with like eight less sacks on the season, maybe even more. So. We very much established that offensive line is kind of where we hope to go in the first round, if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers. Then I think you got to go defensive line in the second round because if you don't pick a quarterback in the first round, what quarterback is still going to be on the board that you could be in the second round and say, this guy is better than Mason, slam dunk, he'll win the job, he'll be the starter, he has potential to be the future quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers for years to come. I know one out there, like... Sam Howell, Desmond Ritter, those are the type of guys I think that'll fall to where the Steelers pick in the second round. And I just don't think that either of them are really working that high in the draft. Absolutely not. So I go offensive line first round, up, help Mason out, because he's going to need a lot more protection this year than Ben did. Because let's be honest, even though he's more mobile than Ben, Ben was smarter at manipulating the pocket, knowing where pressure was coming from. So he's going to need a lot more protection for the younger quarterback, Mason, this year. And then if you go O-line round, like I said, DL. that quarterback's not going to be there in the second round. So go defensive line in the second round. And this is a pick that you can kind of – you want him to be able to play right away, right, because you know what this is going to sure. be. But also this is a pick where you have minds for the future where he's ready to play right now, but this second-round pick can really develop into a starter in this league. And you got to start to worry about how do I replace 97? Alu Alu's getting yeah, that's scary. Like, I mean, we we talked so much about having to replace right now the because of their availability, line. Tyson and Stefan to it. But the reality will set in soon once Cam starts to play a three or more. I would so take years. a defensive lineman in the next three NFL drafts at and early rounds in the first or second round, third round too, maybe a fourth yeah. round after after you've done it for the first couple. You gotta build it back just up. Just keep stockpiling. You gotta build it right. Linemen. I mean, yeah. it, it's it. It's such an Tyson important Tyson we know, was brought in now two times from yes. Jacksonville. Uh, but Stefan Tewitt and Cam Hayward, both Pittsburgh draft products. You have to—it's it's so hard. When, when you've done such a great job of building up a specific unit, watching it unfold for about a decade's worth time, seeing it really just be the best out of any defensive line or any whatever unit you're talking about, just see it dominate for almost a decade's time— feeling but once you reach that decade uh 
uh, marker. You kind of have to think to yourself, okay, I've had this for 10 years. It's been great, but sooner or later, you know, we're going to reach the end of that rainbow and we got to try to figure it out again. And that is the reality for the Steelers. And so your point about taking a taking a, an offensive lineman taking taking a defensive, defensive lineman, lineman for a long couple for the next of years, couple of years absolutely you have you have to do that because yeah if you don't address it and you just kind of wait for it to wait for it to just end without preparing for that end then you're going to see yourself over people say all the time Steelers didn't have a success in playing at quarterback you don't have succession plans but you absolutely have succession plans at positions like the defensive line because A, more than one play every game. B, the shelf life for that position is way shorter than the quarterback spot in the NFL when you're successful. And C, it's so massively important to not have any real drop-off at that defense. But you, you saw what happened with the injuries this year and the Steelers just getting lambasted on the ground because they have the bodies up front that was necessary to have a strong rushing attack. So... I think it's hilarious that people say, you didn't have a succession plan at quarterback. No one has a succession plan at quarterback. It's very rare that you do. But, but I will say, I would like to have somewhat of a succession plan at D-line. And they might already have that rolling. You know, Louder Milk was a guy that was supposed to be a redshirt guy, doesn't play much, kind of break him into the NFL, mm-hmm. and he's got a lot of potential. Had to play a lot this year because of injuries. So he had his uh, progress expedited a bit. So... Maybe you're already seeing that process start to come to fruition, but Loudermilk's a nice fifth-round depth kind of guy. You need to start getting second, first-round picks up there that are going to become impact starters. And last thought is I, sure. I love offensive linemen in the first round, but if the right defensive tackle is there, say Jordan Davis from Georgia Ooh, is sitting right there. That's your guy that you've been talking about all offseason. I don't think he's going to be there at 20. So if he's sitting there, and I know you need offensive line help, if I'm Colbert, I look at that and I say, he's clearly the best player on the board. He can start immediately and not have much pressure on him because we got Alu Alu and Hayward on the left and right side of him while he just clogs up the middle and kind of does that modern-day Casey Hampton thing where he's big enough to plug. He's so athletic and fast enough to make mm-hmm. a big play and move laterally and make a tackle. So I think you go offensive line, offensive line, offensive line until pick 20 comes around and the right defensive tackle's there. If you look at them and say, Zion Johnson versus Jordan Davis, who can help me win not just this coming year, well, not just for years to come, but who can help me win almost immediately more? And I think both of them can, but I think you get a lot more impact out of a Jordan Davis. So I'd lean offensive linemen, but if those top two defensive tackles are on the board still, Davis being the second one, I think you might have to just pull the trigger on that because you're getting too good of a player. And then you have to, have to, have the to. The next two rounds. Offensive yes. lineman. And then I it's sign an offensive you, it's lineman. It's different when you, if Davis isn't there, you go O line in the first round. D line second. Maybe not even that. Maybe you just say the right guy at offensive line is swinging around at pick 52 or pick 51, whatever the Steelers have. And you can go him. Then you got to go defensive line. I the next two. I mean, you don't have a fourth round pick, right? The Steelers do not. There's something I don't believe so, but there's still compensatory picks to be awarded. That's, that's and, and true. Cole expects to get one, is what he said. It's it's going to be tough. I mean, that's that's. We the, have to remember too that what they don't get in the draft, they can go out in free sure, agency. They again. have the cap. So space. if they go Jordan Davis in the first round, and then the lineman that they get a lineman in the second round, they could get more linemen in the in the free agency pool, or vice versa. If they go offensive lineman in the draft, they could get defensive lineman in the free agency pool. You're obviously not getting. 
someone as cheap and as potentially great as some of the rookies you're going to get in the draft, but you can still find people to plug in the holes that you need while you try to make your way through these next seasons of drafting, restocking the arsenal, and still being competitive while doing it. You know, the Steelers Mm -hmm. aren't rebuilding. They're kind of retooling while they continue to try to win as they do that. Very, very rare that a franchise can pull that off. Uh, I think the Steelers are one that absolutely can, mainly because there's a lot of talent on the roster already. So it's not uh-huh. like they're just blowing it up and building from no, scratch. No, no, they have the no. defense. They have the reigning to play right. of the year. Right. All pros on both sides right. of the ball. They're they're going to have. I say all pro on both sides of the ball because I think Najee's going to be an all pro. Okay. Because you saw me give kind of a questioning look. But, but yeah, I agree. That Najee guy's going to be, be all there. pro. Soon. Should be there. Whether it be first or second team, I think it's coming real soon for him. So they've got talent on both sides of the ball. Right. It's just about. <laughs> Finding it at the most important positions, which is attack spots, the, give, at the, the quarterback, given, and the cornerback, and it's at the given point of that draft too. Absolutely. So, I think you can totally see the Steelers go through a retooling where nine and eight happens, eight and nine maybe competitive till the last week of the year, but the whole time they're stockpiling arsenal. Yeah, and then finally, when everything comes together. Maybe you pull up a trade to the top 10 and grab right. a quarterback in a couple of years that you really like, and that's the finishing piece that brings it all together. You're allowed to manage without the stud quarterback if you have every other piece surrounding him. Build up that team, and then you pull in that superstar quarterback, whether it's via free agency or trade or the draft, and that's all you have left, and that is what can that's, catapult you into Super Bowl contender. And that's also the best-case scenario for any rookie quarterback. Well, you're more, you're much more likely to get a great quarterback. I mean, ignoring the draft via free agency or trade, if you have every other piece. That is why Denver. That is why San Francisco. That Bay. That's why Tampa Bay are the ideal landing spots for guys like Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson or Derek Carr because they have every other piece. They're just missing the quarterback. Green Bay. It's a weird case. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, but. Aside from Aaron Rodgers, they have everything else. All four of those teams have everything else. They just need the quarterback. And that's what the Steelers can do in the meantime while waiting for the right guy to come along. I feel the train rolling down the tracks as far as the quarterback talk's concerned. So we're going to stop this episode right here. Pick up on quarterbacks of this draft class. Maybe some quarterbacks coming out in draft classes in the future that we like, as well as look at some free agencies on our next episode of the Steelers Standard. But for Jacob Recht, I am Tom Opperman, and we will talk to you folks next time.